This is Jeff Cross, and welcome to the April 5th, 2023 edition of Views on the News from the Couch, a baby boomer's attempt to pass along his views on the news. A year ago today, I started publishing this podcast. I was going to share related thoughts today, but we'll hold off on that until tomorrow, as today will be about the Trump indictment. I was also going to skip the quick hitters today, but I can't skip this one. A federal appeals court ruled that Stormy Daniels has to pay Donald Trump $122,000 for legal fees related to a defamation lawsuit she filed. Trump's lawyer says along with other legal fees she has been told to pay Trump, the total is around $600,000. Note, Stormy Daniels is a lady associated with the rest of this podcast. It sounds good to say promises made, promises kept. Well, folks, you can say that about the Manhattan DA. When he was running for DA, he pledged to get Trump. And he did. At least if get is indicted. On Sunday, I was pissed over the pending Trump indictment, but had not read the details. I wasn't pissed because I liked Trump, but because everything I had read about it suggested it was bullshit. Tuesday, the indictment was released, and I read it. My fear when I came out strong on Sunday was I may have to walk my comments back. Nope, the indictment is a joke. It's so stupid that I can't even be pissed. Note, after writing this podcast, I listened to Ben Shapiro and learned that the 34 counts apply to two different women and a doorman. Shame on me, I did not see that in the uh, indictment, and I don't think it was there. There was a separate statement of facts. I will add a few comments to the statement of facts at the end. I'm from Maine, and the indictment reminds me of lobster rolls not from Maine. Out-of-state lobster rolls. You know, where you're eating the lobster roll and you taste the bread and the mayonnaise and the celery, but you are wondering where the lobster meat is. Not in Maine. There is this one place, I think, in Bath where you have to shove some of the lobster meat off the roll and eat that with a fork when you are done eating the rest of the lobster roll. This indictment was the equivalent of an out-of-state lobster roll. No lobster meat. Not even chicken. The indictment has 34 counts. Each Trump monthly payment is the source of several counts. Kind of reminds me of an old George, George Carlin skit where he said it was not only a sin to have sex with his girlfriend, but it was a sin to think about having sex with her, planning to have sex with her, denying he had sex with her, and a few others. The DA says each check was a count, and several different ways that the expense was recorded were also counts. And what was the underlying count? Mislabel. We are not talking about water being labeled as sulfuric acid. That could be a problem. Think about it. Mislabeled. And stealing from Alan Dershowitz. Was it even mislabeled? Dershowitz makes the point that if the hush money was not paid, that Stormy Daniels would have filed a lawsuit because if she had just had a press conference saying she had sex with the Donald, she would be subject to a lawsuit for defamation. Not so if it were part of a lawsuit. If the services of the lawyer and the money paid were to prevent a lawsuit, then classifying the expense as a legal service seems okay. What I missed in the indictment was how the prosecutor made the leap from a misdemeanor with a two-year statute of limitations to a felony with a five-year limit. Somehow I thought he would charge him with a felony, but as near as I can discern, he felt he just needed to allude to a felony. Per the Link CNN article by Tierney Sneed et al. titled, 
takeaways and key lines from the indictment against Donald Trump, quote, Bragg alleged in his press conference Tuesday that the business records were falsified in 2017 with the intent of concealing criminal conduct connected to the 2016 campaign. He referenced a New York state law that makes it a crime to conspire to promote a candidacy by unlawful means. But I don't read that Trump was charged with that crime. Did Trump pay the money for the campaign? Note the feds and Bragg's reference to campaign involves a federal crime, chose not to charge Trump with a crime. Did Trump pay the money to protect the brand Trump from which he makes a lot of money? Did he pay the money to protect himself from the anger of his wife? More than one can have the answer yes, and if the last two involving his brand or his wife are yes, then this game is over. After writing this, I noticed some arguments for the DA in the statement of facts. My approach to this indictment was to read it and offer my thoughts. Done. Then to see what Alan Dershowitz, Jonathan Turley, and Andrew McCarthy had to say. If the three were in agreement, maybe not with me, but with each other, I was, and I was close to them, then done. I can now emphatically say, done. I would encourage you to listen to the Alan Dershowitz podcast titled My Legal Analysis of the Indictment. Mr. Dershowitz is a liberal, and his roots are as a defense lawyer. The latter may make him disinclined, disinclined towards the prosecutor. In the past, I would have said he was a far-left liberal, but in today's environment of crazy land, he is probably a moderate liberal. Key points that he makes. One, quote, they have labored mightily and they produced a mouse, end quote. Two, there's no victim. Three, the only real crime was Stormy Daniels for extortion. He makes the argument that telling someone to pay them or they will reveal information is extortion. Four, no way that Trump can get a fair jury trial in Manhattan. He tells the story of liberals who have shunned him for working for Trump and says those are the folks who will be on the jury. He says the trial should be moved to Staten Island. Five, he speculates that the judge won't have the courage to rule fairly because his career would be over. Six, he asks who is next and suggests prosecutors in conservative districts can use this model to attack liberal national politicians who have activities in their districts. Seven, he says the American system of justice took a body blow on Tuesday and it was a sad day. Eight, he said that Trump may get convicted, but he believes the Supreme Court would overturn it. Not because of the conservative lean of the court, but because they believe in the rule of law. Mr. Turley has an article that I linked to titled Yielding to Temptation, Why the Trump Case is a Test Not Just for the President, but for the Legal System. Note that he too has a defense lawyer background and characterizes himself as a moderate liberal. Key points in quotes. One, quote, Bragg knew that he had no criminal case against Trump, end quote. Two, the key to beating the statute of limitations is to find a felony. Quote, the indictment seems to address the lack of legal precedence with a lack of specificity on the underlying secondary felony, end quote. In commenting on the repetition of counts, Turley says, quote, Bragg has done nothing more than replicated the same flawed theory dozens of times. This is where math and the law meet. If you multiply any number by zero, it is still zero, end quote. And here is the four, and here is the money line, quote, 
If the New York bench retains any integrity, this case will be thrown out as a legally improper with an admonition to brag in his office for politicizing the criminal justice process. That, however, may be asking a lot of state judges who are elected on both the trial and appellate levels, end quote. Five, in a second money line, quote, the cost, however, to the legal system will be immense. In a single indictment, Alvin Bragg bulldozed any high ground that the Democrats had after January 6th. He has fulfilled the narrative of the Trump campaign by supplying a raw and undeniable example of the politicization of the legal system. What is most shocking is this attack on the rule of law was met with the rapturous applause of many, including lawyers and legal pundits, end quote. And now what does Andrew McCarthy have to say? His view should be interesting as he has a prosecutor's background, but be warned he is a conservative. His linked piece is titled, Bragg's Indictment Even Fails as an Indictment. Key points and quotes. One, quote, Bragg's indictment fails to state a crime, not once, but 34 times. On that ground alone, the case should be dismissed. Before one ever gets to the facts that the statutes of limitations has lapsed and that Bragg has no jurisdiction to enforce federal law, if that's what he's trying to do, which remains murky, end quote. Two, the indictment matches what we had heard, so someone should be charged with a felony for leaking grand jury information. Three, making 34 counts out of a single transaction is ridiculous. I'm starting to think I was not the only one who did not realize the ambiguous indictment refers to three individuals, not just Stormy Daniels. Four, quote, the indictment fails to say what the crime is, end quote. Mr. Bragg cites section 175.10 of the New York Penal Code, as does Mr. McCarthy. But Mr. McCarthy does not stop after the mention of a false entry. McCarthy says to be in violation, the accused would have to cause a false entry, quote, with an intent to defraud that specifically included trying to commit another crime or aid or conceal the admission of that crime, end quote. McCarthy says that Bragg does not tell us what the other crime is, and that makes the indictment void, as the Constitution requires the defendant to be given that information partly so one will know if double jeopardy applies if charged with a crime in the future. Five, as I read the above, I wondered about the federal election laws that have been mentioned. McCarthy addresses that by saying, quote, we needn't speculate why Bragg is being so coy about this. He doesn't have another crime. At his press conference, he blathered about federal campaign finance law, but he knows he lacks jurisdiction to enforce federal law. He further mumbled something about state election laws, but those, as you might imagine, apply to elections for state office, not the presidency, end quote. Six, Bragg in his press conference talked about how the crimes were to hide, quote, damaging information from the voting public during the 2016 presidential election, end quote. But per Mr. McCarthy, all of the counts in the indictment are for actions taken after the election. Mr. Seven, Mr. McCarthy says the non, that non-disclosure agreements are not a crime. Comments on the statement of facts. One, mentions that an unidentified lawyer, we know who that is, 
pled guilty to making an illegal pay, uh, payment, and then it was an illegal campaign contribution, and implies the lawyer served time for this. I judge this somewhere between disingenuous and a lie. Cohen was asked to add that to the list of things he pled guilty to. I don't think it contributed to his prison time, and he was hoping it would help him avoid prison time as a cooperating witness. Two, a magazine publisher said he would look for bad stories about Trump to kill and publish bad stories about the opposition. Slimy. I can name a number of news organizations that do the latter. If the publisher paid for negative stories on Trump solely for election purposes, I think it may be a campaign violation by the publisher. Three, the publisher allegedly paid $30,000 to a doorman for a story on an alleged secret Trump child and then killed the story. The statement of fact says the publisher later determined the story was not true. A non-Stormy Daniel story was killed by buying a story for $150,000. Five, item 19, if they can prove it, could harm Trump. If the feds were interested, it says Trump said to try to delay the payments until after the election because then it would not matter if the information came out and that possibly the publisher's team knew of this. If true, it moves it into the campaign realm, but again, that is a federal issue. And I don't think you can trust the lawyer who's saying this. Six, item 22 says after Trump won the election that the publisher released one of the women and the doorman from their non-disclosure agreements. 7. Item 26 says that each month in 2017, the lawyer would send an invoice for money for legal services in that month pursuant to a retainer agreement, though no retainer agreement existed. Note the amount paid was purposely more than what the lawyer paid so that the lawyer could claim it as income rather than as a loan repaid. 8. The statement of facts makes a number of assertions that could be construed as possible obstruction of justice by Trump pressuring the lawyer not to flip and turn state's evidence. Obstruction, obstruction was not charged in the indictment. 9. According to the statement of facts, the publisher signed a non-prosecution agreement with the feds saying they had no interest in publishing the stories they purchased, but did so to help Trump get elected. Sounds bad. Was it illegal? I don't think buying catch and kill stories is illegal. And if you are signing a non-prosecution agreement, isn't that like a get out of jail card? Why not sign it? What to make of the statement of facts? Trump slimy. He had slimy friends. Don't get excited, liberals. Your folks are also slimy and have slimy friends. Maybe there's a federal case here, but maybe not, because the feds declined to pursue it. Not a state case. The indictment still sucks. I guess I should have a conclusion, but fail to see the need. Y'all know what my conclusion is, but let's do it anyway. Conclusion one, this is bullshit. Conclusion two, this increases the chances of Trump winning the Republican nomination. Conclusion three, increases the chances of Biden winning the general election because Trump may be the only Republican Democrats can beat. Conclusion four, this stink will linger. Motions due in September and the judge will rule on the motions in December. Thanks for listening to Views on the News from the Couch. If you like this podcast, please share with your friends. If you did not like it, please share with the rest of the folks you know.